Is your nonprofit profitable? Do you plan to run a surplus every year? When you cost out projects for funders or donors, do you include a profit margin? If that sounds like something you would like to do but struggle to do, we'll get into that right now. You're listening to the Build Good Fundraising Podcast, where we give smart fundraisers like you the practical guidance to grow your revenue, grow your nonprofit, and grow your impact so you can raise more money for more donors and do more good. Now, here's your host, Mike Dirksen. Well, hello, builders of good. Thank you for tuning in to the Build Good Fundraising Podcast. Fundraising isn't easy, but it should be simple. So on this show, we take the mystery out of raising money. Now, today's show is a little bit different since we're not actually talking about generating more revenue. We're talking about how to keep more of your revenue to invest for the future growth of your organization. Now, this might be an episode you want to share with your CFO or, or your finance team or, or your CEO, because we are talking about how to run a profit at your nonprofit. Here at Build Good, uh, we run on a system called Profit First, and that's a system that was coined in a book by the same name by author and entrepreneur Michael Michalowicz. And Profit First is a simple method of distributing your income into different bank accounts that are designated for specific and different purposes. And it's made a huge difference for us, and I want that same difference for you. Your organization deserves to be sustainable and have reserves that allow you to weather a rainy day in the future and also be ready to take a big bet or, or to take advantage of an opportunity. So to do that, you need to run a profit, you need to run reserves, you need to manage your money well. So let's get into it right now. Here's my conversation with Mike McCallowitz. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you're busy writing another book, so I really appreciate that that you took the time to come on this show and to just hang out with a bunch of nonprofit fundraisers and marketers and, and leaders and talk about Profit First. Oh, it's, it's my passion and it's my pleasure. So thank you for inviting me. I want to get into with you how to run Profit First for a nonprofit. Um, but before we get into that, a lot of our audience may not be uh, familiar with, with Profit First as a concept. Um, so maybe we can do a, a, a quick primer. Um, what is Profit First? What is the system? How does it work? Give us a bit of an overview. So what I noticed uh, is that there was a study came out of U.S. Bank around for-profit businesses that in the U.S., and this became an international study, 83% of businesses are surviving check by check. They're not sustainably profitable. And I have worked with nonprofits and it's the exact same problem. They're not sustainable. And what, what confounded me is, at least for the for-profit businesses, the whole reason we went into business, or one of the primary reasons, was for financial freedom, to not worry about bills, to ensure the stability of our organization. So how come, if that's why we do it, like that's the one thing we get wrong? And I thought it was us, like business owners, business operators. And then one day I was looking at the profit formula, sales or income minus expenses equals profit. And I was like, oh my God, this formula is wrong. I mean, logically, I get it. Mathematically, it works. But behaviorally, it's wrong. Because it's human nature. When something comes last, it means it's not significant or it can wait. It's like saying... I love my family so much. I've decided to finally put them last. <laughs> you would never, <laughs> you would never say that. It's absurd, and it's like saying, you know, profit matters so much. I decided to put it last. In right. execution, most of us wait till the end of the year 
is there any money left over for me? There's not. We're like, oh, shucks, or usually a more a stronger choice of words. But then we're like, maybe next year or the year after. And so what I did with Prop First is I simply flipped the formula. It's sales minus profit equals expenses. And what I mean in practice, it's the pay yourself first principle applied to business. When when you have a sale, when revenue comes into your company, you take a predetermined percentage of that money as profit, you remove it from the business, then the business tell you tells you what's left over to operate the business. It's, it's really that simple. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got this much time available minus the time I'm going to spend working equals the time spent with my family is, uh, you, you can't go, you can't go home to the wife and put it that way. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. You'd be you're, absurd, right? Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And it's the same, actually in the nonprofit sector for, for a business owner, it is financial freedom. Um, but in the nonprofit sector, you set out to do this thing because there's a big giant problem in the world that needs to be fixed and nobody else is doing it. And nobody else is doing it sustainably. So you're like, we're going to do this and we're going to fix this problem. And the only way you can fix that problem, because most of the time they're giant problems, it's you've got to be sustainable about it, right? So there's, there's very much an, an overlap. We run our agency, Build Good on Profit First. Two years ago, Mike, I read this book. Nice. Somebody gave it to me. I said, you got to read it. I read it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I told my wife, who's, who's part owner of this agency, I said, this is the way. We've got to do this. By the end of the week, we had set up different bank accounts. I love it. Uh, I didn't follow your advice. This is confession time here. Uh, <laughs> oh, book, no. You, you say start with a, a manageable sort of percentage of profit yeah. that you know you can do. And then um, once you get the hang of it, you, you get the easy win. And your yeah. brain is going to be like, this feels good. Yes. And you're going to start bumping it up. Yes. We were the ambitious people who were like, we're going to start at the ideal profit level and Go make it work. In, yeah. <laughs> um. But we've adjusted. And so so I appreciate everything um, that this book and that you specifically have done um, for our agency, which is why I'm having you on the podcast. I want this for our clients. I mm. want this for nonprofits. I want them wow. to have this feeling that, you know, it's not every January 1st, everybody goes, oh, we're at 0% of our, of our budget for the year. And I just don't know how we're going to do it this year. I want them to start with money in the bank in the new year, right? So... The method, as you described, is simple. Every time money comes in, um, revenue comes in, you, you've said, oh, we're going to have a 10, 20, 30, whatever it is, profit margin. We take that off the top. We put it in a different bank account. And then we run the business, the nonprofit on the rest. You've got more than that. So there is the profit bank account, but then there's other accounts that that money gets split into. Yes. Can we run through some of those? Yeah. And, and I'll go in sequence of assignment. And what I mean by this is, as money comes into your business and then you start carving it up, it is a percentage-based system. So the logic is, well, it doesn't matter what I do in what order, but the behavior, again, matters here. If we allocate money toward profit, our main intention first for profit business, if you're a nonprofit, I change the name from profit to purpose. That's the it's purpose first now. And that's the primary cause. You transfer the money there. That is a reward mechanism. It starts building the muscle. The second account is owner's compensation. This is to pay the person that's operating the business often. It's the owner operator. This is the salary that you should be paid. And a real quick way to get a sense of what it should be is if you had to hire your replacement, everyone that does, someone that does everything you do, what would be the appropriate pay for them? And for many businesses, it's, it's pretty substantial because you do so much. Well, that money has to go to you because the company did hire that person and it's you. So let's pay you that way. So first, the purpose or profit account, then the owner's comp. Next count is taxes. Now, nonprofits have a different tax experience than a for-profit business, but 
there can be tax implications in, in scenarios. So this is the tax implications for the owner operator of the business, not just the business itself, but for the owner operator. So if you're making an income, you are going to have income taxes. The business can and should pay your taxes for you. Sometimes it pays it directly. Uh, you should talk with an accountant. Other times it does it through a reimbursement distribution. But you see what we're doing is we're first serving the main purpose of the business. We're serving the owner of the business. So we're building that muscle and we're protecting the business owner from worrying about taxes. The last funded account of the main foundational accounts is the operating expenses. And this is what you use to operate your business. Now, most businesses actually do the reverse allocation. They, they incur all these bills. They see what's left over. And the last person to get paid is the owner. And if there's anything left over that, that's a profit. And it's never there. So we're, we're flipping the entire thing. And what this does is causes behavioral trigger. Once you start doing this and you make the allocation, that first allocation, you're like, wow, this is serving me. It's serving the organization, serving our goal. Build that muscle. Then you pay yourself like, yes, I'm taking care of me. This is what I intended to do. And then you take care of these other fundamentals. And we have a simple analogy or a lesson that as you do these allocations, if the money funded or left over in your OPEX account is not enough to pay your bills, if you can't pay your bills, that's your business saying you can't afford those bills. There's something fundamentally flawed in the business, and we need to fix things, margin, expense control, or whatever. Don't start stealing from the other accounts. Borrowing is the term we like to use, but you're stealing from the other accounts. Run the business off of how it needs to be structured. Gotcha. So now we exclusively serve nonprofits. Those are that's our audience. Those are our kind of people. Unfortunately, the name of the sector is incredibly misleading. So the the, the term nonprofit is is a legal definition, yeah. um, meaning uh, you can't distribute profits to shareholders because it, it, there's no owner like there is in a privately or a publicly held sort of company. However, language has this funny way of shaping reality. And because, <laughs> because we're called the nonprofit sector, somehow this has created the idea that nonprofits ought not to run a profit. And I'm, I'm going to use some strong language here. Um, Maybe somebody listening will object to this, and, and I invite them to engage with me on this. But I think a nonprofit not planning to run a profit, I, I think that's morally wrong. I, I think if you're mm, running a nonprofit and you do some nonprofits do zero based budgeting and, and like whatever you take in, you have to spend. And I think you're not serving your mission well. I think you're doing a disservice to the people you're trying to help. And I think you're doing a disservice to the donors who are investing in you, hoping you're going to be around for a long time and you're going to fix this problem. And they want to be part of, of your team and your mission because they care about the same things you care about. And there's a values alignment. Now, talk to us how you've seen Nonprofit First actually implemented in, in nonprofits. How does this play out in, in, in real life, so to speak? Yeah, and I support your belief. Just to give a little context, I was on the, the board of advisors, if you will, for our church, a not-for-profit organization. And it was very profitable, meaning it had reserves of cash. And the whole reason was to prepare for rainy days. And they, they happen and they come. You can't necessarily depend on a consistent contribution. Members join the church and leave the church. And contributions have this fluidity. And sometimes it goes real deeply down. That's why you have to have this. Profitability translates to sustainability. And if you believe in your cause, you must be sustainable. Now, in the deployment of Profit First for nonprofits, uh, and I've had the privilege of working with quite a few, what we first do is we change the label. To your point, is it's, it's almost uncanny how much we comply with the labels assigned to us or that we pick. I suck at math, I'll prove I suck at math. If I say I'm a not-for-profit, I'll prove by not being not profitable. Well, 
What we do is we change that profit account to a purpose account. Most of the nonprofits I work for are very driven to be of service, to address a big problem and be a great solution for that. And they say, I have a big purpose on this planet. <clears throat> That's fantastic. Let's call this a purpose account. And that way, as contributions come in, as you raise funds, now it's going toward that purpose. And that's the first account we fund. The percentages I teach in the book are for profit businesses are often radically different for nonprofits. So I would just work with someone that's operating a nonprofit. The other thing that's interesting that I've experienced with nonprofits is they have uh, restricted, non-restricted donations. Right. So some funds come in and they say, here's what you need to do with this explicitly. Other ones come in and say, I just want to support the greater cause. Use it as you see appropriate. That's non-restricted. So often we have purpose-restricted, purpose-non-restricted funds. So we have these two accounts so that we don't take from one from the other. Now, I realize the accounting's in place to address this, but the whole idea for, for Profit First is that it intercepts our natural behavior. If you're like me and you log in your bank account to see how the balances are, by setting these accounts up at your bank, you'll see what the intended use is of those funds before you spend it. So it's a real fast, instantaneous vantage point of how to use funds. So that's the purpose first, restricted, non-restricted. Um, you will still have owner's comp. You may say this, you may change the word from owner's comp to uh, leader compensation or administrative compensation, whatever the appropriate term is, but it is to pay the leadership. The importance of this is we must secure those funds because that's part of the sustainability of the organization. The tax account and the OPEX stays the same. And the, the cool thing about the name stays the same, but the cool thing about this is Profit First is a system that lives dynamically. Um, I think some of the optimal nonprofits I've observed, almost 80% of their funds are going directly to the purpose it's looking to, to serve, and 20% is being distributed out elsewhere. What we can do is we can start adjusting the percentages and maybe crunch down the OPEX a little bit, but move a little bit toward uh, retaining the, the leadership team and paying them appropriately. Or maybe we don't need to reserve as much for tax and that can go to OPEX. So you start playing with these numbers over time to settle in on what the ideal number is. Yeah. And and I want to be sympathetic to nonprofit leaders because, they're you know, if I buy a can of Coke, I don't care what Coke does with my money. I got the can of Coke. They can do with their profits. You know, they can do 20, 30, 40 percent, whatever their margin is. That's fine. Now, we are also having to almost educate the public that we've it's our fault we have miseducated them over the past 20 30 years and conditioned them to believe that nonprofits need to run on a shoestring budget and that people don't deserve to get compensated all this other stuff i used to run a, a small nonprofit and i had a donor ask me well how much cash you got in the bank and said well we've got about a full year's worth of of operating now we've got about a million dollars in the bank um and he said, that's great. Uh, I'm not going to give you a cent until you've spent that money. Mm. And I said, you know, to be honest, that answer kind of surprises me a little bit. Yeah. Because um, this was an entrepreneur. He was a businessman. I said, do you, do you run your business that way? <laughs> right, like, right, do, you, right. Do, you, yeah. do you wait until you've spent all your money before you go out and make another sale and try to grow and expand yeah. and take some risks? Or is the fact that you have a million dollars sitting in your bank account a vote of confidence for your investors and your staff that you can go out and expand and grow and take risks? Yeah. Because you've got all this money sitting here. That, that gives you a lot of confidence, right? Yeah. Even if, if we win the internal battle, we still have to work with the public to sort of understand this at times. Yeah. And it's, so, and it's so biased and jaded, right? Every time I make a donation, I want to make sure that full money is going toward the cause. That's what I, want. I feel. And... And I disassociate it with the people operating the business. I yeah. think a way to counter that 
uh, is this point to the necessity? And I've seen some nonprofits really position as well saying, you know, for us to sustain and to be great contributors, it's more than just the money going right toward the item it purchases or the water it delivers or the medicine it's creating. It's the people that must enact to do this. So we offer two, two scenarios. I've seen people, you know, you gotta be careful about saying this. You can give that $100 donation and come and volunteer your time to deliver it. We'd be honored to have you work for the 10 hours to deliver it. Or you can donate $100 and $80 will go to the cause, but $20 is paying that person for the volunteerism that you cho are choosing not to do. Now you gotta be tactful. I wouldn't use those words, but that makes it a visceral feeling. Oh, someone's gotta, someone's gotta do this. And I think we just have to edify the audience about that. Yeah. Yeah. Or even saying like, yeah, you know, honestly, we're going to take 10% of what you gave us. We're going to invest it in fundraising and that's going to multiply your dollar. There you go. So, yeah. So, so your impact is going to multiply because we're going to use some of it to make more money. When you present it that way, I think is very powerful. If you don't present anything, if you just say, we can't wait to be of service to this cause and thank you for your contribution, the, con the, the contributor is thinking in their mind, they're coming to a conclusion. Well, where's that money going? And it's always the negative. I remember when I had my first business and it was growing and we achieved a million dollars in revenue. I was talking to an employee and he said, wow, how does it feel to make a million dollars? I'm like, you mean the company? He's like, no, no, you personally, don't you take a million dollars now? I'm like, no, I'm like, I haven't taken a salary this year. And he had no clue. And it's not out of ill intent. It's just, there's no understanding. So we have a responsibility yeah. to educate. Yeah, absolutely. And what pitfalls have you seen when nonprofits try to implement profit first? Anything we like we need to be aware of or Yeah, inevitably the the one I'm most aware of is going too aggressive too fast. Actually, you kind of explained how you did it. We say, "Oh, this this could be the fix." And then so I've seen nonprofits saying, "We want most almost all the money to go to this great contribution and and we're going to set for, you know, 90% or 95% and uh we're going to everything thin and it'll sort itself out." And when it doesn't, then I see them throw up their hands and say, well, clearly profit first doesn't work. Let me go back to the old ways. That wasn't working either. So there's this too much, too soon, and then abandonment. And that's the number one problem. The other thing I see nonprofits do, because they're, they're so laden in reporting, is I see this leaning, leaning towards spreadsheets and calculations and mm -hmm. avoiding doing this at your bank accounts. Now, profit first right. is designed to be your bank accounts because that's what's called a behavioral intercept. If you go there to see where your money is, we need to carve the money up there. I see nonprofits say, oh, let's do this on a spreadsheet. I'll carve up all the use of money on a spreadsheet. But what they're doing then is they log in their bank account and they're making decisions based on what they see there. And they're not looking at the, the spreadsheet because it's not intercepting the behavioral path. That's the number two most common mistake I see. Right. Now, you actually advocate for creating different bank accounts. Yeah. Um, don't do this on a spreadsheet. Don't even do it in the same bank account where you can have like sub-accounts. Like create separate, no, separate, separate physical bank, bank accounts. Yeah. accounts. Yeah. yeah. So you talk about replacing profit with purpose. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, where does the reserve money go, which essentially ends up being the profit. Um, is that within the purpose? Is that, a, is that a separate bank account altogether? The idea is you carve this up before you spend a single dime. I, I consider it to be similar to Thanksgiving dinner. Say you have a turkey and you have 20 guests at the table and you've just enough turkey for everyone at the table. You don't put the turkey out and say, hey, everyone fight for it. Let's see what's left over. No, you carve the turkey, you put it on a serving tray, and you serve each person in appropriate proportions so everyone can get a piece of the meal. Sometimes there's a little residual, and then then you would you you put it away for the the meal the next day, and you put that in the refrigerator. Well, the same thing is here. We're going to set up an account. I often call it the vault when it comes for nonprofits. The vault is a storage point for that rainy day fund. 
And I designate a percentage, maybe it's 5% of contributions are going into the vault. The vault is that turkey stored in the freezer that when the day, you know, we're hungry and we have no food in the house, we can pull it out and use it. Don't blend it with your purpose account. The, the purpose account is to serve the purpose as you defined it. Right. The vault is for the sustainability of the organization, particularly navigating you know, rainy days. Right. Yeah. So when so when a pandemic comes along and you can't do events <laughs> for anymore, example, and you can't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you've you've got a bit of uh, you've got a bit of cash that um, that you're sitting on. Well, Mike, this has been fantastic. I've, I've got one more question for you. What is happening to our brain when we set up separate bank accounts? Because the the CFO is going to say. I have to I have to create five different bank accounts. I got to log into five different bank accounts. I, you're you're adding so much work to my plate here. Yeah, and that that's a common piece of resistance, and it's from ignorance. You know, once we set it up, we're like, oh, this is actually more efficient. The most common resistance I hear is, I don't want to go to a bank. I don't want to spend the few hours setting it up. Uh, it's going to be too time consuming. The, the second thing is, all these accounts, it's reconciliations. There's money moving all over. Oh my god, I'm overwhelmed. Let me leave it how it is. But what happens is actually it's faster and easier to manage because money is pre-allocated to its intended use. When you spend money out of this account, it's for purpose. It's, it's being a big contribution. When it comes out of the OPEX account, for example, it's paying bills. So we have clarity of how money is being spent. The only additional transactions are sometimes there's transfers between the accounts, but right. those are simple and they're, they're quick. I've been doing this myself for 15 years. We have over 600,000 organizations doing it. Consistently, the reconciliation and management is is no different time-wise than it was before. If anything, it's actually a bit faster because there's more clarity up front. I just tell people, get your butt to the bank. This is like this is like walking to the gym. The weightlifting, the running, that's actually the easy part if we can get you to the gym in the first place. Get right. your butt to the bank, set these accounts, and then you'll see how things work. We ask every guest on the show if they have a final um, parting word of advice, encouragement for all the nonprofit leaders, fundraisers, marketers who, who listen to the show and, and who do the hard work of, of building good in our communities day in, day out. I just want everyone to know that the world is starving for the success of your organization, for the contribution it's making. And it's the ultimate shame if you can't sustain. We had actually one organization here that when the pandemic first hit said, we are going to be the givers to our community. They gave everything they got to restaurants and stuff that was struggling. Two weeks, they were out of business. And people said, wow, they were great. And I, I was like, no, they're jerks. They're, they're martyrs. It's wonderful that they gave. Thank you for that. But they gave in a way that was not sustainable. We could have had them for years if they simply managed it correctly and continued to serve the community. So I implore the same upon you. You have responsibility to contribute to perpetuity. And the only way to do that is by being sustainable, having a profit for your nonprofit. Well, thank you for taking the, the time to uh, to share so uh, so generously with us today. Where can people find you if they want to know more about Profit First or, or, or everything else you've got going on? Yeah, I would go to ProfitFirstBook.com or you can just Google Profit First and you'll find out uh, information about there's lots of free resources I have to help you get started at ProfitFirstBook.com. And um, you'll learn more about the other work I do too if you start there. Mike, this was fantastic. Thanks so much. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you. Well, that's all for today. I want to thank you for listening to the Build Good Fundraising Podcast brought to you by buildgood.com. And here's my action step for you coming out of this episode. Share this podcast with your leadership team or share Mike's content or, or his book with your leadership team. And beware of pushback. Get ready for it. Now, of all the departments... 
finance and accounting is just one of the most resistant to change. And that's not a valued judgment of, of, of any kind on, on any accountant or, or finance director who are wonderful people and who are core parts of our mission. It's just a feature of any profession that is highly regulated and standardized. Because for decades and decades and decades, there was a very standard way of doing things that is, um, that is considered uh, the gold standard, right? That's considered gospel. So anytime uh, you may bring a suggestion or a bit of a change, um, there is going to be pushback um, for, for good reason. So just be aware of that, but know that your nonprofit deserves to be effective for years to come. And you do that by growing revenue and, and growing a base of donors, which is what we try to help you with on the show, but also by managing your finances well and building rainy day reserves and by building in profit, by building in a profit margin, even when you create projects for funders. So as always, thank you for hanging out with us around the fundraising campfire. If you're listening to this, you're my kind of people. I'm your kind of people. Thank you for the work you do. I'm your host, Mike Dirksen, cheering you on as you look good in the world. Thank you for listening to the Build Good Fundraising Podcast, powered by buildgood.com. As a company, we help nonprofits build a revenue engine from individual donors with direct response fundraising. And on this podcast, our mission is to help you grow your fundraising and grow your career. So if you find the podcast helpful, please consider rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for being a builder of good.